0: All right, y'all. Welcome to Pew Pew Panel this week with Ava and Eric. Today, we're going to be discussing the responsibilities and rights of gun owners viewed particularly under the American lens. And uh, this video is, and podcast here is going to go in quite a few different directions, but I think it's going to be an awesome topic. And it's not going to be quite what you think it is. We're going to talk about quite a few things. Ava, how's your week going, girl?
1: Oh, it is going great, you know. Did you see my latest video where I dressed up like a boy? Yes, I did. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so far, 2024 is off to a great start, let me tell you. You know.
0: You ever have those times where you look at what you're doing and you think, like, wow, this is what it's come to?
1: Yeah, more often than I should. <laughs> I'm sure your time was when you ate the pepper. My time was, you know, when I was wearing a mustache and... uh and it left quite the rash actually. Um, But yeah, if you guys want to watch that video, it's actually really funny. I plan on bringing this character back pretty often just because I don't have a boyfriend. And so um, there's lots of like funny things that I wanted to do with a guy that I was dating, but because I don't have a boyfriend, I have to be my own boyfriend. And so I dress up like a guy and I do like expectations versus reality. So like, For example, what it would be like to date a girl who has a range or what it would be like dating a woman who has a ammo sponsor. And it's really not what you would think. So pretty, you know, I'm excited to like show you guys uh, some of the stuff that I have uh, in the works for that. But yeah. Uh, Anyways.
0: Right. Huh? Named Adrian.
1: Yeah, I figured, you know, it has to be an A name. So Adrian, you know, I don't know if I'm sold on it yet, but I'm thinking Adrian and he's like this hipster loser um, that has met my dad. So
0: (laughs) your dad (laughs) uh, sorted that out pretty quickly, though.
1: Yeah, it was pretty funny. It was funny. But enough about my sad and pathetic life. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about Gideon optics. Uh, So I just opened up my box of uh it's a new optic it's the omega and on the box so it's a uh, competition window size three moa dot reticle auto on motion sensing illumination one moa per click adjustments included 1913 picatinny mount this is the optic you see nice window um You can take this off if you want and then make the adjustments i will say so it's already on i wonder if you guys can see it through here
0: i don't know yeah i see it
1: yeah okay so it's pretty tiny um but i'm actually not hating on that because I think you mentioned this in like a few episodes ago that the smaller the reticle, the more accurate you're going to be. Whereas, like if you have this like huge dot and you're like, oh, it's so much easier to see. Yeah, cool. Sounds great in theory, but then when you go and it at your target, uh, you're not going to be as accurate because you know it's taking up so much more space. So, yeah, I haven't decided what gun I'm going to put this on yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But actually, I do have this gun here that I will show you. I'm going to jump into it, but. In the meantime, if you guys want to check out Gideon Optics, head on over to GideonOptics.com. They have lots of different stuff for pistol and rifle. But yeah, I'm thinking, actually, I have a gun right here. I was down in my basement, went to go get this optic, and I found this guy. And Eric, before we started the show, you and I were laughing because I was like, oh my god, I forgot I even had this gun. (laughs) Which is really funny because, like you and I, have so many guns that I don't like remember half the guns that I have. But I did get this fairly recently, and this is an interesting gun. I personally, I'm not going to say that I know much about it. I'm not going to act like I do. Um, just messing around with it. It's it's from a company called Show Low Mfg, and this I believe is called their Blackjack. Nine millimeter. It does uh use uh CZ Scorpion mags. So it's chambered in nine millimeter. It is not a CZ platform though. It's actually more of like an AK platform and it has some pretty interesting things. Like, so for example, the safety lever is only on the right hand side. I don't know if you could see, but it's like this little, these, this little cutout, kind of like a a te- like a teardrop, sort of and it's on both sides, um, it, so this is the, um, uh, of course, the minute the video goes, then I'm, uh, this actually, so this is the, uh, bolt lock. So if I just push this, it'll drop that bolt. Hold on. There we go. And then it has the little paddle or the magazine in order to eject it. And, uh, you know, um, I'm actually. I've talked about JMAT Customs quite a bit the last couple of weeks, and that's because I've been busy picking out JMAT Custom accessories for this gun. So you can see it has the 1913 uh, pick rail. I am going to be putting a stock on this and it's going to be an SBR. And then this grip is actually from JMAT Customs, but I'm taking a, a different approach. I'm going to be doing sort of a bronze. And so the um, the, the stock, the grip, I believe I have a foregrip and muzzle device all coming from JMAC Customs. And they're all going to be that like FDE bronze color, which I think will really kind of make it pop. But yeah, I'm really excited. This company's put a lot of work into their gun. I have not shot this gun yet. I've just been talking to them on the phone. I know that uh, Gatman, um, he has been testing it quite a bit. It's really funny how people always put us together, like him and I. We, we've talked quite a few, you know, quite a bit, I guess, at, at events and stuff. I wouldn't say we're really friends. Um, I mean, I like the guy and stuff, but it's funny how a lot of people put us together. And usually we're reviewing the same guns around the same time. Have you noticed that the companies typically like think when they think of you, maybe they think of like 22 Plinkster or, you know, I don't know, military arms channel or, or something like that. So there's I got to get out of that, it.
0: There's a lot of that um, you know, cross-pollination that goes on. I mean, a lot of times, I, look, I'm just going to give you a little insider baseball here, y'all, that you're following. Look, yes, like when a company releases a new product, you're dang right. They might send it to Ava, to me, to Dave, to whoever, right? I'm not going to call any specific people out, but you always notice how it seems like a lot of videos will go live at a similar time. And that's not because everyone wants to necessarily post them all at the same time, but that's because usually what happens is the company has some sort of like an embargo on the video release. And what happens is when that embargo is up, people want to, you know, everybody wants their video to be at the top of the search results and they want theirs to be first and they want theirs to get the most views. So once the embargo is up, everybody just starts releasing it and that's why you see it all at the same time. So it's not necessarily planned that way as much as it just kind of happens that way.
1: Well, I mean, sometimes it is planned. Sometimes it's like part of their marketing agenda where they're like, Okay, make sure that you, you know, post your video on this date um after this time. They don't give you a specific time, but they're like after, you know, eight AM Eastern, you can post your video. So
0: yeah. I usually uh, wait like a week later.
1: Oh wait okay. So let me get you're like, well, I'm gonna watch everyone else's review, see what they say, then I don't really have to review it and then I'm like, ha, look at me, I'm this to know it all. <laughs>
0: No, I typically just prefer to let everyone's content get out there first, and then I usually put mine up last.
1: Huh? Yeah, that's cool. All right. So, what did you get, Eric?
0: All right. Well, I didn't get anything in the mail, but you know, we might as well show off something really cool here. Okay. So here we have. I'm going to put this in full screen for a moment, Ava. Uh, here we've got a pre-model eight from Remington. So, this is a Remington Model 8, and this is a really cool semi-auto, okay, in 35 Remington, okay? You notice that there's a stripper clip notch here on the top of the receiver right here. You can actually feed 35 Remington into the top of this uh, five-round magazine, okay, from a stripper clip, and these are really wicked guns, you know, semi-auto, recoil-operated, uh, you know, nice vintage semi-auto piece. Uh, this particular gun is about probably 70 years old. Wow. something like that. But really cool semi-auto option um, from Remington. Look at that straight comb stock. Nice thin wrist. Very comfortable gun. Very nice trigger. Uh, this particular rifle actually belongs to Chad. And I saw this one and look at that barrel shroud. You know, because this thing's recoil-operated. This is, uh, I believe the Model 8 is a Browning design. Really cool. Really cool stuff. Anyway, I wanted to show that off because uh, it's just an interesting type of gun. And, uh, you know, Bonnie and Clyde uh, were ambushed with a lot of different types of of, of rifles. And the Model 8 uh, saw some use against Bonnie and Clyde.
1: I actually just uh, I just saw like a a clip of the new movie for the Bonnie and Clyde thing that they just came out with. I saw the the, saw the shooting scene and like, oh, man, it is like horrific. Like, I mean, they just literally got shot to death. And and then not to mention, um, because then I I started just doing some research to see exactly like what happened to everything. And um, we're totally getting off topic. But like the car itself, they kept everything in its. You know, like they didn't clean off the blood or they said that there was like uh human tissue and stuff like that in the car, and like they kept they kept it exactly as is, and they took it around to events and fairs and stuff like that where it was like an attraction and um even like the clothes that they were wearing and it, it's just I don't know, it was so crazy, but yeah, interesting
0: did that anymore though did they?
1: Yeah, that's true. I know. That's a good point. All right. uh, Would you rather? So D4D Joke asked, would you rather have unlimited bacon but no video games or unlimited video games and no bacon? And I feel like that would be a really tough one to ask if I played video games, but the only thing I've ever really played was Frogger. (laughs) And this was years ago. Yeah, I remember one year for Christmas, my mom got my sister and I, like, I don't know, whatever, maybe it was like the Nintendo or whatever was like, like huge that year that every kid wanted. And my mom surprised us with it. And my sister and I were just like, "Mm." like, we just we didn't want it. We were, I mean, I still like I grew up like playing outside, you know, uh, where I played Barbies, but we never really played video games. We had no interest in it. Yeah. So yeah, bacon all day long. Uh, I definitely love bacon, but it has to be like super crispy.
0: You know, I am going to side with bacon here. I think that uh, bacon is the obvious choice. Uh, mm-hmm. Now look, I grew up playing video games, okay? Mm-hmm. Look, in fact, right here at my desk, look, I'm going I'm to move this out of the way here. Hang on. Let me move this lighting for a second. All right, let's see. Let's let's look through the bin here and just grab some random video games. I have about about probably 80 or 90 uh, NES cartridges. Dang. Here we've got Top Gun, the second mission. Let's see. Let's see another random video game. Look at this. Platoon, the video game. That's kind of cool, right? So
1: it seems like, I mean, at this point, are you just a collector? Do you still play?
0: I don't play anymore, but I yeah. can't get rid of them because I had all these when I was a kid. Well, they're also the probably going to be some money. The Adventures of Bayou Billy. Huh. Let's see. All right, a couple more, a couple more. Oh, yeah, this game's great. A classic. Blaster Master. Great game. Let's see what else we got up in here. Look at this. Look. Mission Impossible. Okay.
1: All right. Now you're finally mentioning something I know a little bit about.
0: Come on. Come on, people. All right. One more. Oh, here we go. This is perfect. Mad Max. <laughs> nice. I mean, come on. Who doesn't like that? Oh, like I love video games, but there ain't no way that I'm choosing video games over bacon. Not in a million years. Yeah. So. We just go ahead and put that to bed.
1: All right. Well, second question's from Coconut. And uh, they asked Would you rather have 50 low quality guns or three high quality guns? That one's actually a good question. As much as I'm like, Yeah, like the high quality guns.
0: Well, it depends. Do you have 50 high quality friends? True.
1: That's true. I mean, yeah, then hands down, I would pick, you know, the high quality versus the low quality. But we're talking about guns here, and I just don't see myself ever owning just only three guns. Like, that's really sad. <laughs> three friends, totally fine with. Very thankful for that. Three guns, mm. I don't know. I probably, I mean, I'm all about like having nice stuff and like having nice guns and and realizing, you know, that sometimes, not all the time, but a lot of times, you know, you get what you pay for. But there's actually quite a few guns that are pretty nice that are, well, then again, so low quality. So are we saying that low quality means inexpensive guns?
0: Or does low quality mean... Rappy guns i know hmm i
1: think because if, have... if you can't because honestly if you can't even fire off a round and they're just constantly jamming with every shot it's like failure to go into battery failure to eject failure to look you know whatever um then yeah that sucks then you're not even shooting and then oh, like hands down i will go with the high-end stuff but if we're talking about like you know, guns that aren't worth like a thousand dollars and up, they still have a lot of guns out there, you know, in the $500 range that are really good quality guns.
0: That's true. I mean, I, I know that I mention this all the time, but again, another vote for Palmetto State Armory. I mean, yeah. like, ESA sells, you know, right now they've got those AR 15 pistols they're selling with a 10 and a half inch barrel. I think they're either 10 or 11 and a half inch barrel, if I'm not mistaken, but they got a car. Uh, style handguard, A2 front sight post, attachable carry handle, and a Magpul brace mm-hmm. for like five hundred barking dollars with free shipping. Yeah,
1: yeah. I have a I have a three hundred eight from PSA and it's held up pretty well. I also uh, this one's not as inexpensive and it was a little bit less back then, but their AKB mm-hmm. that I love that gun. That was one of the like. That came out a few years ago and like that gun was like a home run. That was a lot of fun. Um, they didn't let me keep it, but I really liked that gun. But I've noticed, so I I still think about that gun and I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll just buy one. And it's still, you know, it's still a, like close to eleven hundred dollars. And I was like, uh They're nice. I they love are. That. They are, yeah. They really so are. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd go with the high quality if it means that, you know, the gun's not firing, but if it means that, you know, they're less expensive and they're like $500 and below, I'd probably go with that because I'd want more guns and more calibers and, you know, different
0: types of actions and stuff like that. I agree. I think that the, that the three high quality guns would be, you know, my jam. If, if it came down to life and liberty and life and death and, you know, being able to protect myself and defend myself, I mean, give me like a, Give me a Benelli M4, a Daniel Defense Mark 18, and mm-hmm. a Glock 18X. I could probably do everything I need with that.
1: You know? Yeah. I hear you. All right. Would you rather? Nope. I already said that. Listener questions. <laughs> uh, so this one is from Shady the uh, R- Roke. Uh, and actually it's just one question and it says, is that girl, that lesbian girl that wrote the article you read? And I'm guessing they're asking, they're talking about me asking if I'm the lesbian, um, that wrote the article that you read. Okay. So, um, as much as I would like to be some days, I'm actually not a lesbian, but it would be kind of cool. Sometimes I think about it, you know, I'd share clothes with my lover Um, we'd be more into the same things, but yeah, I mean, all joking aside, I'm not, I'm not hating on it, but I just, I, it's just not in me (laughs) as much as I think sometimes, you know, it'd be really great because, uh, dating men sometimes is kind of like a headache, but.
0: Yeah. Tell me about it, right? (laughs) Um, The, the lady that that he's talking about in that comment. Her name is Jennifer Sensiba. Uh she's one of my colleagues, good friend of mine. She does a lot of writing and stuff and not really level headed uh level headed lady. And uh, I've known her quite a while and she's she's actually going to be doing a lot more writing and you know, I wanted to support her and and read that article and kind of share some of her views, which I thought, you know, she had some great views uh in her article and everything. So you know we always want to try to support everybody within the community we can. And, you know, I I uh, I dig her work and she's a very intelligent lady and, you know, wanna wanna show some support for her whenever I can. I try to do that. And I read a lot of John Crump's work. Um Dan, you know, all the guys over there at uh you know, Ammo Land that write and Truth About Gun. I mean, you know, I'll take their articles and kind of break them down and provide some commentary. And that, you know, helps get the word out, helps get their message out, but also Helps, um, you know, their articles kind of grow and gather more legs too. like kind of help get their their message out there a little bit more. I like to uh, expand on the messaging a little bit. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Electronic transfer.
0: All right. So, look, you guys would probably remember Operation Choke Point. OK, look, during Operation Choke Point, remember when all the banks were you know refusing to do business with the gun industry and they were shutting down accounts and shutting people out of their money and that whole PayPal fiasco people were getting shut out of all of their money left and right well our friend electronic transfer the nice thing about their business is that they provide an avenue where your payment processing will never get sent down the river by anybody they will always protect your ability to do business as a conservative business as a gun business any, anyone who wants to be able to protect their livelihood and their payment processing needs to go with electronictransfer.com. They're, they're a great group of people. They've been around a really long time and they get some very competitive rates. Um, I'm not exactly going to put words in their mouth, but I will say um, that they do have very competitive rates. And, you know, if you're looking at different processing rates, you might want to check them out first before you decide to go with someone. So check out our friends at electronictransfer.com and a big thanks to them uh, you know, for being supporters of PP Panel and make sure that your processing is on lockdown and you don't get shut down by the, the woke liberal leftist banking institutions that hate our way of life.
1: Absolutely, good job. All right, listener question. So uh, the Han shot first. He said, oh, Ava, you don't know what you're missing. I too used to put off used to be put off by cowboy guns. Then I shot a single action 1858 Remington replica. It's a lot more fun than you'd expect. And I think this is going towards, I think it was like two episodes ago where I said, oh, when we were talking about Rossi and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I actually don't own a lever gun and and even like lever guns and, um, and revolvers and stuff like that. Like, I'm just like, nah, not really my type. Like I'm more like the tactical type, you know, black guns um but so that that's where that comment came from i mean look honestly at this point i'll shoot anything that goes bang and i don't mind like there's nothing that i won't shoot as far as what you know not that what i would spend my money on but i guess what's up there in the priority list as to what i want to buy a lot of those guns don't make you know aren't a priority and i think that's why um, I collect, you know, a lot more guns that are more tactical looking. So
0: You know, it's so weird how, how people assume that, you know, just because someone has, has a lot of guns, I mean, like, I've got a huge gun collection, but even me, like believe it or not, there's guns that, that I want that I haven't gotten yet. Mm-hmm. Like I still don't own a FAL. Go ahead, yeah. and sue me. But I mean, I love the FAL, but the FAL I want is going to be a pretty specific one that is going to have to be built because I'm weird like that. But, you know, it is cool to like look at certain gun designs and, um, you know, lever actions are fun. Single action revolvers are fun. Revolvers are fun. I grew up watching cowboy movies and stuff with my grandpa. So I always loved to watch, you know, cowboys shooting wheel guns. And that always gave me an interest in those types of guns, you know, growing up and um they are fun. They bring back kind of a, a nostalgia for me to my childhood with my grandpa and everything like that. I mean, from a practicality standpoint, is it the first thing I would I would grab? Probably not. But uh, they are fun. I, I love lever actions, and my favorite one, for the record, I have a 1939 Marlin 336 chambered in 32 Winchester Special. It's got the old school potbelly stock and the uh, old school scroll work on the top of the of the receiver with no drilled and tap holes. Iron sights only, and it shoots the living daylights out. And that's my favorite lever action is my 1939 Model
1: 336. Huh? Hmm. Very nice. Nice. Uh, next is Liberty or Death 18, or I'm sorry, Liberty or Death 8983. Best subject you've covered with Ava yet. Drones will affect any modern day conflict. Just look at Ukraine. And this is uh, in regards to our Civil War episode. And that episode actually did really well. Uh, we appreciate everyone who tuned in for that, but it also just goes to show where we are, you know, in society right now. I mean, I think that a lot of people are are looking at this topic and and wondering if it is actually going to happen. So, um, and then this one, this is really funny. Uh, Heller or I'm sorry, Helen Keller, uh, Denier. Uh, He said, damn, she just friend zoned you out of left field LMAO. Just had that one in the cylinder completely unwarranted rough, but that's all right, Eric, you're a effing catch. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading all of the comments where people are like, dang, Eric just got friend zoned. And you know, I mean, I, I laughed, but um. I'm also laughing because it's just so funny like what people think like their perception and stuff and like if they only knew what was going on in our, our real lives you know like there's like what you know what you let people know you know and then there's like your private life that you don't really let people know and um you know it's just, i don't know but yeah so it made me fun there it made me laugh um, i do appreciate your guys's comments and we are reading most of them i mean
0: they're they're entertaining
1: yeah i know even (laughs) even ones that people think we might get offended of like i was laughing like there's been a lot of people that are like eric you look high and that one makes me laugh because i look back to like when that was recorded and it was like you'd been going for like 12 hours straight and i think you were outside shooting all day and then you had to come back and record this and it's like well I guess he's gonna look high because his eyes are probably glazed over and he's exhausted, but he's actually yeah. not high. Um, kind of makes you wish that you were high, right? If you're gonna be, you know,
0: oh like my god! <laughs> you no, know, recently I've been running on like three or four hours of sleep every night, and not necessarily even because I've been staying up late, but I end up getting a pinched nerve in my shoulder or something. Oh my yeah. gosh! So much pain to sleep at night. It's like when you start getting older, everything hurts everything starts breaking and yeah. there's just a general feeling of existential dread that follows you around like a black rain cloud yeah you know that sort of thing no you get it uh, you start running on adrenaline you know so that's yeah. kind of where i'm at in life right now i'm just running on pure uh unadulterated uh hatred i suppose
1: <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people, though, were sort of probably in similar similar spaces, uh, especially with like the holidays and stuff, which can be really wearing, you know, there's so many things that you have to get done, and then you have family coming into town, or you're traveling, and so I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, realize that we are also people, and we're going through very similar things that, you know, the others are going through, and... Maybe just give us a little bit of grace. I mean, hell, Eric, if you want to wear sunglasses while you record the episode because the, you know, the light is is bright. Like so be it. Who cares? You know, you're still putting out content. Um, all right, so ATI Outdoors, I was on their website and I was looking through some of their rifle stuff. They make a chassis. Well, I guess it's a high point stock, but it kind of looks like a chassis for the high point carbine. So now you don't have to be embarrassed of your hat peasy. Uh if you want, you know, I mean, so I've actually heard really good things about their carbine. I have not shot one. I've only shot their the high point pistols. Um, they were okay. I mean, they worked, it was reliable at the time when I shot it. You know, I've heard mixed things, but I've never had any issues. But their carbine, I've heard, is actually a pretty legit gun. And I don't know what they're going for now, but I remember my parents selling them for like $199, if that. And um, anyway, so yeah, ATI Outdoors now has a high point stock, which kind of has like a chassis look to it. It's not just the stock, which would greatly change the look of that carbine. And it's only $99. So definitely check it out, atioutdoors.com.
0: That's a great way to dress up your high point. Look, I will tell you, too, those high point carbines are actually quite good. You know, they've held up great and they're accurate, you know. And look, for what they cost, it's a a very usable tool. And some trivia, y'all. Real quick, a little trivia. The first 10-millimeter high point rifle and pistol that ever existed, ever, outside of their factory. Okay. Like, on both of them, we made them. We were the first people to have a 10 millimeter high point pistol and a 10 millimeter high point rifle. We reamed them out. We took 40 calibers and reamed them out to 10 millimeters. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, there were, wow. and now they offer them. So, wow. Um, Too goofy, but you know, we took them convertible.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Peaches, come here. I think. I don't know. It a peaches the a barking out story of my life. All right. So now we're going to go into the main topic, which is responsibilities for gun owners. And this, I think this topic, you know, I think people might be surprised by what we have to say. Um, because I do think, you know, as much as I think like, yeah, everyone should own a gun and, you know, an armed society is a polite society and all that. I do think that as a gun owner, you do have certain responsibilities, whether you live alone or whether you you know, the with other people or with children, Um, there's certain steps that you should take in order to, I guess, make society and yourself safer, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know, Eric, why don't you, do you want to start this, this conversation? I
0: I do have some feelings about this and I'm, I'm glad that we chose this topic because, you know, when you start looking at rights and responsibilities in terms of gun ownership, a lot of things start to float around in a person's head. Okay, especially Mm -hmm. if they're anti-gun. Right. What happens when an anti-gunner thinks about rights and responsibilities? They think regulation. They think, well, we're going to regulate this into oblivion. We're going to pass all these laws and things and we're going to make it very difficult uh, for a gun owner to exercise their rights. When we think rights and responsibilities, we think more like tenants, more like, okay, these are things that we're that we're going to be really careful about. It is obviously true that there are many responsibilities that come along with being a gun owner all right and we're going to go over some of the what i feel are some pretty crucial tenets however i just want to sort of preface this whole thing by saying that i don't think that it should be the government's place or the the government should not have some sort of law or regulation that requires a person uh to you know let's just say undertake a certain type of training or to have like a certain type of storage uh method in their home like a safe or whatever like i feel like those are all things that people should just take on themselves and do for their own reasons as they want Mm -hmm. and obviously i think it's important to own a gun safe and to be able to you know um properly secure your firearms to prevent theft and and you know anyone getting a hold of them that you don't want them to get a hold of of course like you know, keeping away from children and other unauthorized people, that sort of thing. That's obviously very important. So it's not like, you know, gun owners at large, Ava, are ever going to sit there and say, you know, that, well, if you own a safe, you're dumb. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, we think everyone should own a safe because we Mm -hmm. don't want to see it fall into the wrong hands. We just don't want the government to be the arbiters of that conversation. We don't want them to be able to pass some law or provide some level of infringement that places them in between the rights and the object at hand. And I think that's where the huge disconnect is with many people on the pro-gun side versus the anti-gun side is that anti-gunners always want to immediately go to pressing regulation, to, you know, some form of infringement, right? And then people on our side always want to go, well, well, like, wouldn't it be common sense that you have a gun safe? Wouldn't it be common sense that the idea of being a gun owner is do no harm, right? I mean, think about it like the medical profession. Do no harm. Wasn't it the same with a firearm? Do no harm. What that mean? All right. I need to make sure that I know how to safely uh, load and unload and use and manipulate a firearm and carry a firearm in a way that doesn't harm another person inadvertently. Right. Do no harm. Okay. If I, if I have a gun just sitting somewhere, it needs to be in a safe, right? Okay. Again, do no harm. The gun can't harm anything. If it's, Properly secured. It can't fall into the wrong hands or get stolen or something like that if it's locked up and in a safe place. And it's not that gun owners have an issue with any of that. But I think, again, Ava, the big disconnect is people don't want to be told what to do. And they certainly don't want to be told what to do uh, by some overseer government entity who is going to use it as some giant excuse to infringe on our rights. And Hmm. I think that's where the big disconnect is when it comes to these responsibilities and everything like that. When we say responsibilities and rights, what it's important to remember is that understanding our rights is as much of a responsibility and of that right as the right is in its own regard. So to say responsibilities and rights, that's why it's important to separate those things because our rights, so many people own a firearm, like there's a lot of new gun owners, right? In 2020, we saw a huge increase in NICS checks. And those checks that go through the FBI NICS system have been increasing like crazy, even up until now. Like, right now, we're at an all-time relative high for NICS checks. More new gun owners than ever before in American history, just probably in the last four or five years, right? Permit applications are up, right? More states are adopting constitutional carry, okay? Lots of gun control is getting shot down in the district courts. And in some cases, like we see with... uh New York State Pistol Rifle Association versus Bruin. They're getting shot down with things like Bruin. So gun control is on its dying breath. We just have to let it die. We have to let it legislatively and injunctively die in in the death throes of that process. The problem is, is people don't really understand what their rights really are. You know, they know they can go into a gun store, they can buy this object, and they know it's very ostracized and politicized, and they know some people hate it. But they may not really truly understand what their rights are what their rights mean yes there are responsibilities to owning a firearm to possessing an object right this object can't be dangerous but it can also be you know quite fun and exhilarating and then there's all these other you know mechanical uh you know the way this thing works is, is obviously really cool so there are many reasons to own a firearm but beyond the responsibilities it's about understanding our rights as well. And I think that's where a lot in our, in American society, Ava, have really gone wrong is that they don't fully embrace what the rights really mean, what the second amendment really means, what its meaning really is, what its value really is to us. So, um, yeah, you know, that's kind of,
1: I absolutely agree with you. Um, but I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. The problem is, And I, and I will admit I'm sometimes torn with this. The problem is, is that some people are so incredibly stupid that they don't, you know, that I don't say that, I don't think that they need, you know, government control or government laws or anything like that, but really government to tell them what to do. But sometimes it's like people have no common sense you know, I mean, it's it would be common sense. Hey, you own this object that you're using to, you know, protect yourself against the government, attackers, you know, whatever. Um, and it probably would be a good idea for it to not fall in the wrong hands. But yet there's people out there that are just like, you know, leaving it right there on the seat of their car, door unlocked, go and run errands. And then that's when, you know, guns fall in the wrong hands. And so it's like, I definitely, you know, I, I hate any sort of government control. I'm very much anti-government. Anything that's government ran is a joke. Even, you know, the laws that government has, you know, put in place uh, is, isn't is really enforceable. And and it's pretty unclear. I mean, even here in Colorado, they passed a law in the last couple of years where, Um, it's mandatory that you have your gun locked up and, you know, but what's the definition of locked up? The fact that I go into my house and I lock my door, you know, one can argue, okay, it's locked up. It's in my house and there's, there's like, you know, a a key and lock. Um, but I guess I, I also am torn because if it wasn't for all these people that just lacked common sense or that just were so nonchalant about it. What are we supposed to do for them?
0: You can't legislate morality and you can't re- You can't legislate common sense. You know what a law really is. In fact, I just composed a really massive tweet about this. I haven't put it out yet because I'm still doctoring it up, but it's a long thread. That I'm going to post on Twitter and shameless plug. If you're not following me on Twitter, make sure you follow me. I write better in 88, official official um, over there. Actually, I think it's just, I write better 88, I don't even think it's official. Yes. <laughs> right and, yeah Yeah. Right
1: but uh let me verify that i'm on i mean i'm on the twitter too yeah. okay <laughs> right. i'm not I,
0: I, uh, I just wrote this this long thread where i talk about you know laws are essentially a perceived code of morality that a small group of people agree upon Right, and that society carries out the wills and edicts of this sort of moral code that is codified into this law. I mean, that's all a law really is, is a codified moral construct at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. that society agrees agrees upon that, hey, this is a moral construct that we're not going to trespass upon, and if you do, there are consequences, right? So at the end of the day, that's all a law really is, is a codified moral construct that we agree, hey, this is not where where we're going to go towards. But the problem is, is that yeah? You can, you know, you can exact your morality on another person. You can say, well, it's immoral to leave a gun unlocked. It's immoral to leave a gun in your car. Uh, it's immoral to do, you know, what, whatever, right? To allow a gun to fall into a child's hands or to a thief's hands. So, like, yeah, if you ask a hundred people, okay, do you think it's okay for a gun uh, to fall into the hands of a kid that shouldn't have it? I mean, look, the majority of those people are going to say hell no, right? So. Yeah. You know, so to codify something into a law, uh, you know that that most people are going to probably follow anyway is kind of dumb. Yeah, in my opinion. I mean, m- most people, you know, can agree that you know your gun should probably be locked up. Like, you know, that becomes more of a mode of personal responsibility. But see, the difference is, people are going to do whatever they want to do to enhance their life, and that and that goes with their individual moral characteristics and moral boundaries and moral codes that are completely outside of the law, right? So just because something is law doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, be, you're going to die if you don't do it. Yeah. So to some people, they view the laws as a mere suggestion. And I'm not going to lie. Like there's certain cases where I view laws as mere yeah. suggestion. Okay? Literally,
1: but, as you're saying this, I was like, maybe I'm guilty of that too.
0: Right. But, but at the end of the day, that is a undertaking that a person chooses at, the, at, at at their will to go, you know what? I'm not going to follow this law because it's there's, there's one thing for something to be legally required, but it's another thing for something to be morally right or not. Mm-hmm. Just because something is legal or illegal does not mean it's morally right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the issue. you know you you get into issues of individual morality when you try to tell a person what is essentially, what they're going to do with their own safety, which is bodily autonomy. I mean, At the end of the day, okay, if if someone tries to tell me what kind of gun I can or can't own to protect myself, that becomes a, an issue of my bodily autonomy because, that, because I get to choose what tools I want to use to defend myself, not the government. It's not the government's place to tell me what barrel length I can, can or can't have, whether or not I can have an auto sear, whether or not my gun needs to be in a safe or not. At the end of the day, I'm responsible for myself, I'm responsible for my guns, and I'm responsible for what happens to my guns and to the people around me. And I think most people view it under that lens. And again, it's not that the overwhelming majority of society doesn't think that, you know, yeah, you should, you know, obviously lock your guns up. You should obviously, you know, follow some pretty basic rules to make sure that everything is cool and no one gets hurt. We just don't want the government telling us to do it.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, all right. So what are some things that you think that gun owners should do? I mean, you know, we, we went over, um, you know, locking your guns up so that they don't fall in the wrong hands, which is tough, you know, because obviously you want to have quick access to it, but then you also don't want them to fall in the wrong hands. And it's, you know, I mean, so I personally don't judge me. I, I drive a, a Range Rover. I bought a brand new Range Rover. I actually lease it because you know it's a tax write off, and I would never buy one because honestly, they—I haven't had any issues with mine, but I'm—I've heard you know as soon as the warranty is up, they just—they're horrible. Um, so the fact that it's leased, it's under warranty, whatever. But I've noticed there's like this little compartment in you know in between the console, and that's where I keep my gun. Is it locked up? No. Can I quickly just grab it if I'm driving and, you know, somebody or the minute I get in my car and I, you know, somebody comes up to me and like maybe tries to, you know, hold me at gunpoint or something like that. Um, So I have quick access to it. But then I think, well, what if somebody, you know, steals my car and I didn't have my gun locked up? What am I doing? So it's like, you know, it's kind of like that making sure that yourself and loved ones are safe versus You know, and having quick access versus, you know, and like at night, like when I, uh, when I come back and, you know, when I park my car in my garage, I take my gun out, put it, you know, right next to my purse. And then when I go back in, but like when I'm running errands. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's lots of, there's lots of little like gray areas. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, so yeah, I do think that people should have, uh, some sort of, you know, they should, they should store their gun responsibly, but even for me, you know, am I doing it one hundred percent responsibly? I don't know. I think a lot of people would probably argue that I'm not, and I think that I'm not alone in that case. I'm just sitting here willing to take one for the team and admit
0: it, you know. It's true. I mean, I think it it, it comes down for a lot of people. It's sort of a risk and reward paradigm. Mm-hmm. Where, You know, yes, you have to take a certain amount of risk to make a gun accessible for you to be able to uh, gain quick access to it and use it to defend yourself. Like, it's got to be available and ready. But at the same time, um, you know, if your car were to get stolen, now it's a liability because there's an unsecured firearm out there in the nether. Well, they're going to find it. But, you know, part of it, too, is that locks only keep honest people out. I mean, look, there's a lot of fast uh, fast box options that are out yeah, there. Right? There's tons of little car safes you can get that secure the firearm. I mean, even a police cruiser has a way to secure like a shotgun or a rifle into a rack, and it's all yeah. locked up and secure. But at the end of the day, okay, can someone open a cop's car and get that rifle out? Given enough time, yes, they can. Is it secure? Yes, it's secure for a time. Yeah. Locks keep honest people out. If someone were to steal that cop car, I mean, and there's a shotgun and a rifle and a fast rack or a lock box in the trunk. Believe me, they're going to get into it one way or the other. So, yes, you can lock it up. You can have a fast box. You can have a lock box. You can have trigger locks. You can have all of these requirements and redundancies that make it harder for a person to use and utilize that gun and to get it ready. But at the end of the day, locks only keep honest people out. So it does become a risk and reward paradigm that every single person has to individually measure the risk for their own individual situation. Okay. Do you go to the rough part of town all the time? Right. Well, you know, yeah. Is the risk of your car being broken into and your gun being stolen higher if you go to a crime ridden area? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Should you have a lot Probably so. I wouldn't leave my car unattended very long or I would leave in, in a proper secure storage or something like that. All right, now, are you just going to town in Poduck, middle of nowhere, like where I live, and going to, I don't know, check the P.O. box or going to the Piggly Wiggly? Going to the Piggly Wiggly. (laughs) Exactly. Going to the Piggly Wiggly. You know, am I going to be worried about someone breaking in my vehicle and trying to steal my gun out of my vehicle or breaking in my vehicle, period? In a place like that, you know, rural, middle of nowhere, pickling, wiggly. You
1: know what, lot. though? The truth is, though, is it's hard to say. You know, I used to think like, you know, people, they would only, you know, maybe conceal carry when they were going into city city areas. But now it's like you'd be going church to church, movies, shopping, you know, whatever. And some wacko opens up, you know, opens fire. So it's like. You really, you can never tell, you know, whether you live in some rural area where maybe there's, it's not as populated and, and doesn't have as much crime, but you just never know nowadays. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And then also, I guess, like, as far as like proper training and, you know, and education, that one's also tough because, you know, like here in Colorado, in order to get your concealed carry permit, you have to take a class and then uh range time is not included like it's not a requirement um whereas it is in other states so you could you know take a class never shoot a gun before and then go and get your concealed carry permit um which people are like oh that's crazy but then on the other hand you, this entire time you were able to open carry and you can do so in what 26 states now there's constitutional carry and you've never had to take a class and you're able to you know carry out in the open. Um, But in order to conceal carry, for whatever reason, you have to, you know, apply for your concealed carry permit in a lot of other places. Um, I'm sorry, constitutional carry means that you can conceal carry in those places as well. But it doesn't mean that, you know, you have that reciprocity in other states and stuff. So it's like, but at the same time as an instructor, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I see somebody come in and um They, you know, it's always the ones that have said like, yeah, you know, I've been shooting for like the last 15 years, my grandpa taught me whatever. And it's the ones that like have like the least bit of knowledge, like they think they know what they're doing. But oftentimes, they're probably the most dangerous on the range. And it's just, you know, so then at that point, you know, do do gun owners, you know, do they have a responsibility to maybe take a class or read a book or watch a few, a few YouTube videos on safe gun handling, or even just reading like the four basic, you know, gun safeties. Yeah. I mean, I would think so.
0: I think that it is reasonable. I think it's a reasonable expectation for a person to at least be able to get behind a gun and do no harm. Again, always go back. do No harm. Right. Do no harm. So if you can't get behind a gun and make sure that you're going to do no harm, and that means don't shoot yourself or someone else, right? That's the bare minimum tenant of being a gun owner is to make sure that you are safe enough that you're not going to hurt yourself or someone else, or you're not going to have some sort of an accident. You need to understand the power that guns have. You need to understand what they can do, you know, and that goes back to those original four rules of gun safety that we all drive home so hard. Right. And Mm -hmm. with all of that, and I think that your average person could do really well to take a class. And I always tell people in my travels, you know, when when folks ask me, well, what should a new gun owner do? They've got their first gun, whatever. Uh, I would suggest actually going to take a class before you even buy a gun. Yeah. You know, like go to a range where maybe they rent guns and have an instructor rent a gun for you and, and recommend a gun. Or maybe some instructors might bring a few uh, lawner guns with them that you can try out. You know, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to ask. It's okay. Cause some trainers might have a few range guns they can bring to let you try out, you know, and you may get behind a gun and think, wow, like I'm really good at this. Wow. I might want to get this type of gun, that type of gun, mm-hmm. or you might get behind a gun. And look, this has happened before, not often, but it has happened in my travels. A person might get behind a gun and go, you know what? This isn't for me. How many times yeah. does it happen to you Ava where someone comes in and take a class and they wind up going, you know what, I don't know if guns are for me or not. You know, maybe maybe they decide that it's not for them. I mean, and it's that's it rarely it. happened, but it has
1: happened, you know, a few times. But I've actually noticed that at that moment, they'll decide that it's not for them. But then maybe like a few weeks later, they'll call me back up. And I think they come to their senses, you know, and they're just like, well, you know what, maybe, you know, I, I think it really just depends on how they feel about guns and if they think they're doing something wrong or if they're scared of them. And then they usually kind of have to overcome their fear kind of like you know Mm -hmm. talk themselves through it and then they'll come back but um but you're absolutely right i mean the only thing i feel bad about though is like classes cost money there are some free classes out there but it's not available to everyone and so that's why i would say like hey you know buy a book or watch youtube videos and you know i mean a lot of that stuff is easily available to the public uh, where you don't have to pay money to do so if you can't afford to
0: yeah you know and and look not not to provide any sort of a shameless plug okay but like with our youtube channel we put out a lot of educational content over the years like Mm -hmm. if you want to know about the differences between carry ammo and ball ammo or if you want to know about the differences between different action types or if you want to know the differences between pump and semi on shotguns or uh, different shotgun color codes and different shotgun loads like We've done all of that 101 type stuff. We laid down that core information and it's free. All you have to do is just look up our videos and there's a ton of educational content. If you go to our channel and go to playlists, okay, under playlists, there should be one that's entitled like, uh, you know, basics or 101 and that lists all of our 101 videos where we talk about the basics, um, everything you need to get into being a gut owner how to fill out a 4473, how to buy a gun, where to buy a gun, you know, safety uh, mechanisms, mechanics, you name it. Sight alignment, you name it. We, we've done videos on just about all of that over the years. Mm-hmm. So and it's a free, free resource for you to, to check out.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, let's take a quick break and talk about Rossi.
0: I'm loving that R, uh, that R92 for sure the yeah. Magnum. Uh, I know we talked about it in the last episode, but they also do a 44 Magnum in the R92. And there is nothing better than the power of 44 Magnum out of a 16 inch barrel. And I'm looking forward to get my hands on one of the, with the R92s. I might actually go do some deer hunting with, because I haven't shot a deer with a 44 magnum in a long time. I think it'd be cool to, you know, get one of those, the tactical R92s out. Uh, the straight comb stock, all black, good recoil pad, threaded barrel, uh, really nice tactical loop. I, I kind of like the tactical lever actions, don't you? I do.
1: I do, yeah. I I mean, that's the one. So Rossi actually, um, they told us that we can pick out a few guns in order. They'd lend us some that we can shoot to kind of, you know, get our feet wet and get more acquainted with the firearms. And so I'm actually curious what listeners think that we should request and what you would like us to see. um, you know, shoot um, or even do reviews on. So definitely let us know in the comments below because there's quite a few things that I've been eyeing. Like they make some really cool stuff. So I'm really excited to try it
0: out. I like the circuit judge a lot. That's a great gun. Yeah. See makes.
1: Hmm. I'll, have to, I'll have to check it out. Um, let's see here. So, I mean, I, I understand that this topic is probably like, people are like, okay, this is the direction we did not think that it was, but I think it's all like good information. And then also makes people think differently when they think that something should be a law, but also probably gives people a good idea of like, Hey, you know, if you are going to own a gun, there are certain things that I think that you should, you know, that you should do. Um, so obviously you want to make sure that your gun isn't going to fall in the wrong hands or you know especially with children um and i think it also just depends on your situation like so personally i live alone it's just peaches and i and i you know i definitely have uh some level of concealment with my guns it doesn't mean that every one of my guns is locked up just because i want to have quick access to it um and then as far as like a gun safe i actually have an entire gun room and it's pretty well locked um i mean you need a code to get in uh there's sensors everywhere there's cameras everywhere there's you know locks on anything and it's it's you know it's made actually pretty well but i think most people would be you know surprised to hear that like yeah i don't have a gun safe like my guns aren't in a gun safe (laughs) um but i think if i had children um you know, keeping a gun in my nightstand drawer, or in a drawer in the kitchen, or you know, here in my office. Um, I actually have a total of eight guns now throughout my house. And yeah, I mean, anybody could probably find it if they really looked, but they would have to look for it. And but if I had kids, then I'd probably develop some sort of you know put it in like some sort of locking mechanism. I probably get one of those like magnetic locks just because, you know, it's not going to go dead. I don't need to be, you know, I don't have to like charge it up or change out the batteries or worry about my fingerprint or finding the key. So I do like the magnetic locks, but um so that's another thing. Um what other things do you think, you know, you um, like, are responsible for gun owners.
0: Look up the tactical walls. Those are really cool. They make uh shelves, they make mirrors, they make fake uh you know, clocks. Also, tissue stuff.
1: boxes, coffee yeah. tables. You could be like double seven in your house if you want to. That's
0: right, and and look, those are really cool, and they're magnetic. You just have a little dongle, release a magnetic clip, and um, they're great. Mm-hmm. I, and I tell you, you know, most people, most thieves would walk right by them and never know in a million years that it, that it was concealing a gun. So, if you want to keep something kind of really accessible, consider something like tactical walls and. There are some fast boxes you can get to go under your bed and, you know, near near your bed that work quite well. However, I mean, those types of situations, they're cool. But if a thief sees a fast box of some sort, mm-hmm. they're going to assume there's a valuable in it. And, you know, yes, it might prevent someone fr- from immediately gaining access. Really, the fast boxes are more to, like, keep your children out and stuff like that. Or, I mean, a thief is just going to steal the whole box yeah. with everything in it. So. Yeah. It's really more to prevent access to minors, you know, to keep your kids away from the guns, which is obviously quite important. I mean, there are a lot of accidents that occur and, and kids get hurt because firearms are unsecured and definitely don't want that.
1: Yeah. Um, I would also recommend if anybody loses their gun or has their gun stolen, I would definitely recommend reporting it. Um, also because one, there's a chance that you could get it back if you do, if it if it, you know, turns up. Uh, but then, you know, I mean, I think people would be surprised, but guns don't always have, um, I guess, a trail. Um, I think people would be pretty surprised by, you know, people think that, like, that gun is registered to them. It's technically not. I mean, it depends on, on the state, but for the most part, um, most people, all they could do is track from where that gun came, so, you know, they see that, okay, the manufacturer Sent it to this distributor, and that distributor sent it to that federal firearms license. And then that gun store, uh, then, you know, sold it to this person. And that's about as much of the trail. And then after that person, they could have sold it in a private sale, which in a lot of states is still legal. And then that person could have sold it to somebody. And eventually it's just like, you know, good luck tracking that. Um, another way that they can track is if your name comes up. So let's say, you know, I get in trouble for committing a crime and they do a report on me and they see that, you know, or a trace and they see that like, okay, I purchased a gun from this gun store. They don't know what I purchased. They just know that I filled out a 4473. They would call at that gun store and ask them, Hey, you know, can you submit the background check that that person did? And then they would know exactly the make model and serial number, um, but otherwise it's it's really not as easy for law enforcement to detect if a gun is stolen or not.
0: Yep. And there are some jurisdictions where, you know, you can obviously get in trouble for not reporting a stolen gun. And mm-hmm. and look, I think it goes without saying that if it's an NFA item and it gets stolen, you must most certainly must report yeah. that. And it it is good to report a firearm when it's stolen and give as much information as you can because, believe it or not, you do get them back sometimes. Yeah, um, but you'd actually that, be
1: surprised. A lot of them the do actually do
0: off. Is to prevent the gun from being stolen in the first place. That's exactly. what you is on doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sure. And then, um, lastly, for me, I would say you know make sure that you're aware of what the laws are, like if you're traveling and stuff. Don't just assume that, you know, especially if it's like if you have your concealed carry permit in one state, don't just assume that every state is going to have that exact same rule. I mean, it could be complete opposite. Um, or if you're traveling, you know, some places require you to take the gun apart or to keep your ammo separate or your gun and ammo, you know, where it's not reachable and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, you want to make sure that you are following the law and that it's, it's your responsibility to know what that law is um especially if you're going into those states because if you get pulled over the last thing you want to do is, you know, end up in jail because you thought that you were following the law or you just dismissed it and for the most part you're a pretty good law-abiding citizen and now you're, you know, you have to lawyer up, do time in jail and all of that stuff. So yeah.
0: Yeah unfortunately ignorance of the law is no excuse now yeah you know there are going to be situations where you know if you show some reasonable you know level of preparation and you just might have got one little facet of of a given situation a little bit wrong i mean a lot of times they're going to be okay cool you didn't know they're just going to inform you and it's all good usually but i don't know
1: about that you know, woman
0: where someone's a jerk
1: yeah, America. exactly. There's been some cases where there was one woman who I think she was in Connecticut and then she crossed into another state and got pulled over and she thought she was being nice by like, or responsible by telling the the officer like, hey, you know, I have a gun in my glove compartment. Here's my concealed carrier permit. And they like arrested her right on the scene and it ended up being this whole, I mean, we're talking about years ago. And I want to say... Maybe she had a sky pistol, or it was whatever gun she had. Uh, when that company found out, they actually helped with her legal fees because they just couldn't believe it. And and she just thought she was being, you know, a good person by just like offering up information to avoid any issues. And instead, you know, that extra information that she gave, I mean, she ended up in jail and and had a lawyer up, and it, it cost quite a bit. So
0: anything you say can and will be used yeah. to you. Uh, look, look, y'all, they tell you right there. Yeah. Do not ever offer offer of any information unless you absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. When I get pulled over, I don't say a dang thing. I don't say anything. Yeah.
1: Well, in some states, in some states, there's a duty to inform, and in other states, there is not. And what that means is uh, duty to inform means that you inform them whether or not the cop asks duty, like, you know, no duty to inform, which we have here in Colorado. You do not have an obligation to offer the information unless the police officer and law enforcement asks. And at that point, then you have to tell them. But yeah, so anytime I've gotten pulled over, I do not offer that information. I'm also not one of those people that thinks that, you know, I'm being like a good person by giving them my driver's license with my concealed carry permit. It's none of their business if I'm a concealed carry permit holder or not. I just, you know, the the least amount of information that I tell them, the better. Um, but, you know, some people think that they're being a better person by being like, look, no, see, I I concealed carry and, you know, and I even passed the background check to do that and they just... Yeah, it's I, I say do the very like the bare minimum. So
0: the only duty you have is to get that traffic stop over with as soon as possible. Yeah, whatever whatever is the door to that is where you need to you need to find that door and you need to run through it mm-hmm. get it over as quick as possible. If they're pulling over you for uh, pulling you over for a stupid busted tail light or something, do you have a busted tail light? Yeah, I do. I totally do. You got me. All right. Give me the ticket. Bye. Like, leave it at that. Don't don't try to play lawyer on the side of the road, y'all. Yeah. Just don't.
1: All right. Well, I think that wraps that up. Uh, listener of the week, unfortunately, we do not have a new review. So if you guys haven't done so, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review there. Just search for Pew, Pew Panel. Scroll down. You'll see where it says reviews click on it and leave us a review. And it has to be more than just giving us a star rating. You actually have to write out something. Um, but then you will be the listener of the week. And, uh, and I think that sums that up. Um, you know, thanks for all the engagement, all the comments that thumbs up. Uh, don't forget to head on over to Pew Pew panel and, uh, follow the channel there. And, uh, And yeah, I think that's it. Um, We appreciate you guys listening and we will let us know if you guys are going to Shaw Show because Eric and I are going to the Shaw Show and we have something uh, up our sleeve for that. So, all right, I guess we're we're, we're out of here, Eric.
0: Absolutely. Everybody have yourselves a great week. We'll see you soon. Mm
1: -hmm.